it's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the show, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, taking you right into fighting Illini basketball today. Pre-game show ends, rather begins, right when we end our show at 11 o'clock, and the Illini at Wisconsin in a 1 o'clock tip this afternoon in Big Ten basketball. The phone lines are open, 356-9397 is the number. We've got a Four guests uh, lined up. We'll tell you about that as we move along, and plenty of time for an open line as well. Mr. Lauren B. Tate, as always, in the chair. How Good morning. Are you? Doing all right this morning? Oh, yeah. Let's go. Sun is shining. The fog is lifting. Got to so, win another one without I.O. today. That's the main thing. That's what uh, it looks like. Uh, Illinois at Wisconsin, a key game, and uh, you know, they're playing this NBA schedule this week, aren't they? Yeah, I know. Their that's NCAA a, that's schedule. That's the one that, that's really taken Penn State and Nebraska down. They play, they play so many games. Penn State got killed last night by Purdue. It was 73-52, to 52, I believe. And, and for Purdue, the, the reserves led the scoring. <laughs> they had 18 points. The leading scorer for the, for the starters was Stefanovic with 16, but the reserves had 18. So I guess Painter had plenty of time to use them in, in a game like that. Yeah, Purdue wins that uh, by that score that you mentioned, 73-52. Purdue kind of quietly playing pretty well. Yeah. They've got a shot to uh, to get in that top four seeds. It's, it's a long way to go, but well, it could happen. Steve, that Big Ten tournament's going to be wild. Just imagine with the way Michigan State's playing now. And then when you get when you get to down to the, the final, well, just the final eight teams, there's going to be eight pretty good teams. I, I'm not sure if Indiana falls into that category or not, but – They've got a tough one today. Yeah, they play Michigan in Bloomington today. The uh, Big Ten schedule today has that as the leadoff game. Number three, Michigan at Indiana at 11. Number five, Illinois at number 21, Wisconsin at one. Then Minnesota plays at Nebraska at six. Tomorrow, Michigan State is at Maryland. And number 11, Ohio State, or rather uh, number 11, Iowa, is at number four, Ohio State tomorrow. What do you think about Iowa? What do you think? I mean, February has been a disaster. They'd be happy to go to March because did you see? I can't tell you the record that Fran, Tar- Fran McCaffrey has at Iowa in February, but it's terrible. They just seem to collapse every February. Yeah, that's too bad, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it makes me sad. Iowa is seventeen and seven on the season, eleven and six in the Big Ten. Of course, Michigan is comfortably in that uh, first place slot at 12 and 1 in the league Illinois 13 and 4 going into today's action Ohio State 12 and 6 Iowa and Purdue tied at the uh, number 4 slot at um, 11 and 6 Wisconsin is 10 and 7 It's interesting to hear uh, Underwood talk about the uh, conference championship the, because um, He's taking the position, you know, it's really not important. I mean, that's what he said. I mean, because it's been so uh, deformed <laughs> is that, uh, with with some teams having to play a lot of games. And, and he's, he's uh, I think, a little bit upset because 
they sat around for a week when they could have played and, and uh, couldn't because other teams uh, had problems. And so this has kind of forced Illinois into a, a NBA-type schedule. And it's, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, the last three games are all going to be on the road, and it's going to be really tough. It is, and it begins today at Wisconsin uh, without Io DeSumo in the lineup. We haven't been told that officially, but uh, Brad Underwood's statement yesterday was his status today same. was the same as it was yesterday. Yeah, And that's yeah. going to fly into today as well. So we'll see about that, and we're not 100% sure if Io made the trip or not, and we'll find that out as we yeah, move he, along. You know, we don't know. He could have driven up, or he, we're not sure what he's doing, but it's pretty obvious that he's not going to play. And, and uh, the, the other concern is that they've got two more games to go. And uh, Michigan is, is coming up next Tuesday, I believe. It is Tuesday. And so uh, it's fairly, I, I'll say it's fairly obvious to me that he's not going to play then either. So, I mean, it, it's just unfortunate. As good as Michigan is, that, uh, but we haven't got anything official. And, and there will be some surprise come up here sooner or later. But uh, – it's it's just a, a really a bad break for the Illini to have this uh, happen like this, and uh, and yet uh, the main thing is to get Iowa back in time for the for the for the NCAA tournament, and hopefully he can uh, get some kind of a of a nose guard that is that allow allows him to play freely and and see everything. You know, I mean, he's a guard that that uh, needs to see out the corner of his eye. Steve, you're going to make passes, and that's going to be the tough part if you have a guard on. It will be tough mask. because I think your peripheral vision won't uh, be very good with a with a mask or a face guard of any kind on. He he held one up the other night. I don't I don't know if that was the finished product or not, but I don't uh, think so. Yeah, it it looked a little uh, like a work in progress or whatever they could get their hands on to, for that little TV spot. But uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Some other uh, headlines: plays underway down in Baton Rouge in round two of the LSU Golf Invitational in the Illini have a one-shot lead in that uh, event after the first of three rounds. There are 15 teams involved there. Jerry G with a 69 for Mike Small's team. So they're uh, playing well there. They went from nowhere 25 <laughs> in the country to yeah. number six. Yeah, right. And, and if they win this, it'll go up higher. <laughs> and you kind of expect that this time of year from uh, the Fighting Illini men's golf team that uh, play underway now. Men's tennis – Yesterday beat uh, Wisconsin on the road 6-1. to one. They play tomorrow at Minnesota, Brad Dancer's team. The women's tennis team played Wisconsin as well and lost 4-3 to three in Champaign. They'll play Minnesota in Champaign tomorrow. Softball team opened the season with a couple of wins, dominating wins over Rutgers 6-1 to one and 8 to nothing. And they'll play two more games versus Maryland today. They're playing 12 games total, Lauren, in the state of Florida before they come home. Well, sounds like fun. It does. <laughs> and uh, Dan Hartlib's baseball team opens play next weekend. Yeah, four games against Ohio State in South Carolina, is it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the baseball season will finally get going. The volleyball matches for uh, last night and today at Michigan State were postponed earlier this week. Yeah. Health concerns mutually postponed, so whatever that means. But uh, you could take a guess on that. But uh, in the... In the uh, realm of safety, they decided not to play those. They'll try to reschedule those at some point, if that's possible. So those are some of the headlines on uh, this Saturday morning. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Our guest lineup coming up in just a f couple of minutes, Mike Raycraft, 
He's a professor at the University of Illinois in the Recreation, Sports, and Tourism Department. We'll talk about uh, things over the last year or so and how things have changed with this pandemic sports-wise. Uh, Jeremy Warner from 247sports.com, Illini Inquirer, will be with us at uh, 9.30. And then a couple of the better point guards, to say the least, in Illinois basketball history will join us in the second hour, Derek Harper, who played back in 81, 82, and 83, will be with us at 10 o'clock. And Kawan Garris, who played in 94 through 97, will join us at 10.30. In and around all of that, phone line is open, 356-9397. More uh, accolades for Kofi Coburn yesterday. He was named a finalist for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award. So he and Io, Lauren, are in the finalist categories for several awards. And, Absolutely, uh, and those are big awards. They I mean, really are. Uh, of course, he's, uh, he, he's bucking Garza, uh, as is Kofi is, and, and that's a tough one because Garza's got a, a leg up on everybody because of the season he had last year, and he came so close to everything last year that, you know, he came so close to being the player of the year last year that he's, he's got a little, that's a leftover momentum, I'd call it. Yep, Garza's bucking the... Uh, Io for Player of the Year and Kofi for Big Man of the Year. The other yep. other guys in that Kareem Abdul Award, uh, Jabbar Award finalist are Luca Garza, as we mentioned, Trevian Williams from Purdue, Evan uh, Mobley from Southern Cal, and Charles Bassey from Western Kentucky. That guy uh, Mobley is is a top five draftee for sure. I mean, he's really good, a freshman, of mm-hmm. course, and. Uh, but, you know, f- uh, freshmen don't normally get the vote uh, on something like that unless your name is, uh, you know, unless your name is Kobe or something like that. <laughs> I mean, and he was never a freshman, was he? No, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, what we've got coming up on the show. We'll have some comments from uh, Brad Underwood somewhere along the way this morning. And uh, he, uh, he, you know, he's to a point where he's, he's talking a little more about his frustration with the, the way that Kofi's being guarded he said he's the most abused big man and or well, most is. abused man in the country, and, and he's right. And, and and at the same token, Steve, uh, they're jumping all over him. But by the same token, he he pushes back. Sure he does. <laughs> I mean, you know, and and uh, he displaces too. I mean, I don't know how if I'm an official, I don't know what to do when I, if I go into a game and two guy two two hundred and and you know two hundred and forty pound guys leaning against a two hundred and ninety pound guy, and they're pushing each other as hard as they possibly can. How, what do you call? I mean, what do you call? It happens every time down the court. You think there isn't contact in the in that post? It's, it's like constant. It's like um, holding in football. You could yeah. call it on every play. Yeah. And yeah. there's you could call a foul on every play. But all, I think all anybody wants is some consistency. <laughs> well, and yeah. Uh, they, they're not getting that. But even but the other, you realize that this is the worst officiating we've ever had. In all ever? <laughs> How many years has that been? Said <laughs> every year. After every game, you lose. Well, we got to get rid of these officials. They can't. You know, we we say, okay, it's impossible to officiate, but but if you don't do a good job, you're out. Right. <laughs> well, it is impossible to officiate. We I think we agree on that. Yeah. But uh, try to find some consistency. But even you know the Michigan State game, yeah, the it was bad. However. Illinois still shot more foul shots, and they had a chance to, to win the game if they make more well, foul it was, shots. It was a pretty good scheme, I would say, uh, by uh, pretty good scheme by by uh, Izzo to, to sure. send, He had four guys that he could waste, and he did. <laughs> 
and he just sent four guys out there, and they they played 34 minutes and committed 17 fouls. How's that? Plus an ejection. Yeah, and uh, Illinois missed those 15 foul shots, and uh, that cost them. But uh, they went a little bit overboard with uh, that play. Uh, To to our knowledge, we need to – we don't have an explanation on whether or not that Michigan State player has been. I know he played in the next game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sissoko. Yeah. But you know, he, you remember last year when uh, Griffin got ex- yeah, got uh, yeah, suspended. I we and didn't. I don't, uh, but we got a different commissioner now. We got a different uh, Big Ten, I guess. Uh, they haven't got around to it, or if they have got around to it, they decided not to do anything. Well, in the in the Alan Griffin case, it took him three or four days to get around to it or to make the announcement. You didn't know right away. Yeah. You were ready to play your next game, and then you find out, yeah. oh, he's been suspended. But uh, we'll see if there's anything happening there. It's moving up on 9-13. We'll take our first time out here on the Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. If you'd like to join us, feel free to do so. And we're back with more after this. Stay with us. 9-15 on DWS. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're rolling along till. 11 o'clock, right into Fighting Illini basketball coverage, the pregame show. Illini game day at 11. The tip in Madison, Wisconsin at the Kohl Center shortly after 1 o'clock today. Ayo Desumu is on the trip. He will not play today. And we'll find out uh, as we go, game by game, I guess, when he might uh, be back, Lauren. So uh, we do know that. Yeah. So Illinois will have to dig deep and try to, Tried to get another win without Io. He'll be there on the sideline cheering them on. Yeah. Maybe doing some coaching there. <laughs> well, they, they certainly did all right the other night against Nebraska without him, and uh, hopefully they can pull off another one today. And I think uh, still, I think uh, Illinois' guards uh, are, even without Io, are a good matchup for this Wisconsin team. Even though Wisconsin's old and experienced and been around a while, I think uh, it's still an okay matchup, and I'm not sure they got an answer for Kofi either. Well, you've got to keep Kofi in the game. That's yes, the key that's thing right. is, is the foul problems that we say, well, we weren't having much trouble earlier in the season. As we went along, it looked like Kofi was going to be able to avoid that. And there have been several games lately, two games specifically, where he's missed long segments of the first half that were uh, other opponents, opponents established pretty good leads on Illinois. And, and you just got to hope that he can stay in there and, and play most of this game, maybe get 30, 35 minutes out of him today. Let's bring in our first guest uh, of uh, the lineup today. Mike Raycraft is his name. He's a professor at the University of Illinois. We've had him on uh, in the past, probably just about a a year ago, we had him on to talk about some of the symposiums that he's involved in. Mike is with us. Morning, Mike. How are you? Mike, you got me? Yeah, you can hear me? Yeah, I got you now. How's it going this morning? Okay. It's going well. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. We want to talk about a few things and uh, how it might affect the way you teach uh, at the University of Illinois and, and things you focus on in the last 12 months. How how are things changed in the way that you get your job done? I realize, uh, you know, that's a general question and we're all doing things a little bit differently. But how, how has this situation kind of affected you in the way things are done at the U of I? Well, well, I tell you, you know, as we, we were approaching very quickly here in a couple of weeks, kind of a, a year anniversary of where everything changed. And I, I laugh a little bit because a year ago on March the 12th, I do a, I do a lot of work with the Chicago Blackhawks, and we placed a lot of students up there, and they're very engaged with our program a lot of ways. And I took a class, and I took 90 people, 90 U of I students, up to Chicago on March the 12th, to a hockey game oh really 
Yeah, and I'm like, and as I think back at it now, I can't believe that that happened because literally, the, you know, that was the next morning is when everything began to kind of to go, and within you know two days, we were we were home for the rest of the semester. <laughs> and so it was, yeah, it was like right there at the the, the door is closing, and we just kind of snuck out and snuck back in the last second. And so yeah, the last uh, couple of months last spring were certainly a challenge. Um, we have a big part of our program, uh, I work in, I'm the Department of Recreation, Sport, and Tourism, and there's an internship requirement. A lot of our kids have to go out and get internships. And it was a challenge because we have, you know, especially in this, in this area, a lot of sports and a lot of these areas last summer, everything was closed down. And so kind of in the last second, we had to put together an, an internal um, kind of a consulting project where we got these kids uh, internships remotely. And actually, it worked out very well because the alums and uh, the, the businesses and people involved in our program have been so good with our kids and involved and creating a good experience. And so it's been, it's been really been uh, kind of a not a uh, not a permanent change, but I think it's a positive change that will be part of what we do moving forward. Well, speaking of, speaking of uh, moving forward, uh, this all kind of crashed right around the uh, Big Ten tournament and then the NCAA tournament, and we're approaching that time. Uh, and uh, everybody's got their fingers crossed that uh, those tournaments will go off okay, and we think they will, but uh, it's it's huge that they do. Well, it's certainly going to be interesting to see what they, you know, you keep hearing about fans, and I think I read even yesterday that Indianapolis was talking about loosening up with, with fans, and, you know, and that, that certainly is, is a big question. The question I think about, too, is, you know, who goes, and if, if they allow fans, you know, it's going to be really interesting in terms of what fans are allowed to go. Is it the, you know you're going after the student groups? You're going after the band? Are you going after the don and the donors? That's that's a that's a big question. They've got they've got a lot of big questions to answer in the next couple of weeks. That's for sure. Visiting with Mike Raycraft from uh, the University of Illinois, and a friend of his, a friend of ours, is uh, also uh, with us on the phone this morning. Let's say good morning to Mark Coombs. How are you, Mark? Hey, what's going on, Steve and Lauren? How you guys doing? Good. What's on your mind this morning? Well, since Mike Raycraft is on the line, I wanted to do two things. I wanted to congratulate Mike on his Teaching Excellence Award that he just received from the provost's office for the second time, and he's the only gentleman, I think, or any person that has received this. I also wanted to thank him for calling and asking me to assist him with the Lou Henson Symposium with an all-star cast with Jim, Commissioner Jim Phillips, former player and head coach Rob Evans, all-time great referee Ed Hightower, and the star of the show, Aunt Mary. <laughs> Mike, this was the best <laughs> career profile. Mike, this was the best career profile that anyone has ever put together of Lou's lifetime achievements. Thank you and your college for the production. Mark, that's that's incredibly kind. Um, it was such a privilege to, to to work with Lou and to know Lou and to be a part of telling his story. And I've had so much feedback uh, since we did that back in October from people saying there was a whole side to Lou Henson that I knew nothing about. And I look at the I look at the whole thing so much differently. And I think the impact and the words that you guys had that night uh, certainly do a lot to, in terms of his story. And I'm so glad that we were able to do that. Um, 
for people who are still or who are interested, that whole event is still available on our AHS uh, College Applied Health Sciences website, the U of I. And I would encourage people who haven't seen it uh, check it out because it really is uh, it, it it'll provide a side of Coach Ensign that a lot of people don't know about. Well, that production you sent it to the Naismith Hall of Fame, Mike, and that production was like the cherry on top of the Sunday. So we thank you very much, all of us, the Henson family and everybody else. And Lauren and, and Steve were instrumental in getting the word out of the symposium. So the News Gazette and WDWS Radio, uh, we thank you also. So that's all I have to say this morning other than uh, good luck Saturday afternoon. I remember our Final Four year, uh, we had a really good team, I think, in 89. <laughs> but Wisconsin, that particular game. Uh, we beat Michigan State on a Thursday night and Wisconsin on a Saturday afternoon, and they beat us by 20. Yep. Lauren? Yeah, I remember. Even 20. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, Mark, thanks for checking okay. in. Always good to hear Thank from you, Mark. you. Thank you, guys. You bet. Yep. Go, ahead. Go ahead, Lauren. Well, Mike, uh, this is Lauren. I, I would be interested in, in, in hearing your um, uh, comments about how the pandemic has affected the, the varsity program here. You were very much involved in that as a member of, of the uh, athletic board. Uh, are you still on the athletic board? No, my t- my term ended uh, two years ago. Okay, you were there when but I've been involved. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No. I've been engaged with uh, athletics in a variety of ways, uh, going back 1992 when I came to the campus. I was a graduate student. I worked at the DIA um, through the 90s. Uh, that's where I got to know Coach Henson, and I worked with Coach Kruger, and I was heavily involved at the time with the Illini Pride and the Orange Crush, and uh, getting that program off the ground with the fundraising, and that was a, a great uh, a great time. I did a lot of work with uh, Coach Grintz and you guys uh, with, with women's basketball at that time. It was certainly kind of a golden time to be involved with that team. And since then, since I joined the faculty on sports side, I've, I've really been it's, been, it's been very interesting because I've worked with pretty much every significant athlete uh, one way or the other, significant and otherwise, the last, you know, 20 years. And so it's, it's I've got a kind of interesting perspective, and I did serve uh, seven years on the athletic board. Well, I know you're concerned about the uh, the financial side of it, and I'd be interested to know what you what your reaction is with the pandemic and still hiring the coaches and paying all these uh, incredible salaries, which you have to do uh, in the marketplace, I guess. But what, what are your thoughts about how the It's pan- certainly complicated because there, I know that there's an, um, there's an immense amount of debt uh, going on that the U of I has and, as, and, and other schools too. Uh, they're certainly going to have to be creative when it comes to finding ways to, to make up um, I've got some concerns about, you know, I don't think they've announced yet what they're looking like in terms of ticketing next year and how many people are going to be allowed to go to the football game. Um, certainly that's going to affect the revenues from uh, donations and concessions, and parking and tickets. Um, so that's a concern. The other concern I have is, and we've had this year off, you know, and, and you know, there's, there's one side that says it's going to be double, it's going to be, we're going to be, be uh, double excited and people are going to go and, and really want to follow it because they've been away for it for so long. And there's a second perspective that could be that, you know what, maybe I found something else. Yeah. And so I, I'm really, that'll be something that I think we're all kind of holding our breath on in terms of what is that response going to be? 
Yeah, that that, and, you know, said, that was my question. I mean, I just wonder if people are going to come back. You know, I mean, uh, it's easy to watch those games at home, and 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 everybody's got a big TV set, and everybody can when the game's over head for the refrigerator, and and you know, right. it's just uh, it's just. Uh, I, well, they, I don't. I don't know. It's with... stunning to me that the that the NBA, which uh, has seen their numbers go down sharply in terms of their television viewership, even though everybody's had to stay at home, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, they've they've struggled with student attendance at football games for, as you guys well know, for a long time. Yeah. And. It makes you know while they're going to the bars, they're going, they're watching on their, they've got their big TVs. I think they're still fans and they're still engaged, but they're just engaged a different way. You know, the challenge the university is going to have is how are we going to uh, work together to get these kids back in the stadium, engaged, excited about being there on game day. You know, and they tried some things. You know, two years ago they had the uh, they opened up that that bar area on top mm-hmm. of the old coaches. You know, and I don't think that really it really didn't take off too well. It didn't seem to be me as a fan looking over there. It didn't seem to have that much interest. And so I think the more that they engage, I think if they were to do more engagement with the city and the bar community and whatnot, and kind of work together as a group, I think there's some things that they could do um, as a team. I think doing some stuff individually has been, has been more of a struggle, but rethinking it, I think is, I think if you're going to rethink some things and retool it, I think now would be the golden moment to do that. Well, one of the things that's having to be re- rethunk <laughs> is <laughs> is the hockey situation, that, which it looks to me like it's fairly well, um, well, at least delayed extensively for years. Apparently, uh, how close when you were on the athletic board? How close do you think Illinois was to actually uh, having varsity hockey? You know what? I wouldn't know. It was not something that was, it certainly it was discussed. It was something that uh, was discussed in the media and people were excited about it. And it felt like they were on the verge of an announcement. Um, I think that you're right. I think it's a ways away now. Um, I think when it comes to champagne, ultimately, I think it'd be very, very popular. Um, we'll see what happens in terms of, I would be on the side. I don't know if we need to be, need to uh, invest in a huge stadium, but you know, I'm probably in, in the minority on that one. I like our. I think the stadium on uh, on campus is, could be refurbished, and maybe we could grow into something else. Are you working on any uh, upcoming symposiums, Zoom kind of things, like you had in we the had, past? We we do a symp- we do, we're doing conversations each week, and Zoom has been just an amazing tool. Uh, if there's going to be a positive, I, I keep telling my students, I said, well, the first question that job employers are going to ask you is, what were you do that was productive during the pandemic? How did you enhance your experience? And one of the things that, that I keep saying is I started a uh, Wayne's World style production in my basement, and I do a symposium uh, with, with different speakers each, each week. Uh, this semester, we've had a very interesting lineup um, Colleen Callahan on our first week and I met Colleen you know you guys might know Colleen from good old-fashioned pork day the University of Illinois all those years her family Mm -hmm. ran pork day you know Uh, Colleen is now the director of the Department of Natural Resources in the state of Illinois so she's over all the parks and museums conservation she gave an excellent presentation we had Steve uh, Steve Schwanwald who was the director of uh, you know vice president marketing and operations for the Bulls during the whole Jordan era, and he was all over the last dance 
documentary and was just told some fascinating stories and great insight was elite was really a sports marketing icon in Chicago last week kind of uh, coincidentally we had Mark Steinberg I did a session with Mark Steinberg on um, just a couple days before the tiger accident and Mark has been just a tremendous asset to the university and open to the students and took questions and for a guy uh, at, at his level, it was it was outstanding. So we work with people every week, and what I found is, um, in this era, I think people are so uh, sympathetic to the kind of the situation and kind of the lifestyle the college kids are going through right now in terms of, boy, they're not going through the traditional experience um, maybe we went through. Um, Steve, I am a fellow uh, Kentucky graduate. I know that. By the way, I do yeah. know that. And uh, and so and a, the people I think are you know, wanting to kind of give back because they feel like, boy, this is they're going through kind of a rough patch. How can we maybe make make things more interesting? And so um, they've been really open to it. I've got uh, in the next couple of weeks we're working with Andy Zabo, who's a Bloomington. Um, Former, you know, he's from Bloomington, Illinois. He's a U of I RST graduate. He's the sponsorship director at the Oakland Athletics. We've got the director of the Special Olympics coming on this week. I'm working with a guy who's a U of I graduate who is a executive with uh, DraftKings. And you know, Lauren, you mentioned about you know resulting of the pandemic. You know, this whole sports betting and gambling and revenue coming in from that. It's amazing. Um, it's amazing, and that's probably going to be the biggest change that uh, we see moving forward. Uh, I know they're not doing it on the U of I yet, but you've got to wonder how long that's going to last. Hey, Mike, good stuff. Always good to catch up with you. Uh, appreciate your time. We'll do it again soon. I look forward to it. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, you, Lauren. Thank you. That's Mike Raycraft, professor at the U of I in the sports, recreation, sports, and tourism area 932 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Stay with us. Brad Underwood working again today. Another basketball game on the Illini schedule. One o'clock. Madison, Wisconsin against the Wisconsin Badgers. Should be a pretty good ball game. It'd be a good one to try to steal on the road. Illinois final three games and what five of the last six games on uh, enemy courts. So it'll be interesting going in. Some sad news to report, and uh, for, especially for the folks that uh, knew this individual that I'm going to talk about uh, briefly, Larry Clisby, the longtime voice of the Purdue Boilermaker basketball team, uh, passed away, Lauren, uh, early this morning. He yep. had been uh, battling cancer for th- about four years. and yep. uh, We all love Cliz. He, he was a dandy guy. If you ever had a chance to, uh, to meet uh, Larry Clisby, he was uh, one of those classic characters you run into and always – Seemed kind of grumpy, but he really wasn't grumpy. He just kind of gave you that uh, that kind of feel. But uh, he was, uh, and there was no doubt uh, who he was rooting for when he called a, a Purdue <laughs> basketball game. No doubt at all. But uh, but a good announcer and very strong guy over the years, and a good friend of of ours and a lot of people. So we send our condolences and prayers to the family of Larry Clisby and the Purdue Boilermaker family. Nine thirty six. Going to continue to talk to uh, talk some basketball. Jeremy Werner is with us from 247sports.com, the Illini Inquirer. Good morning, Jeremy. How are you? Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, I hear I'm a warm-up act to a couple of Illini legends, so I'm very willing <laughs> to be the warm-up act uh, that no one pays attention to. But thanks for having me. Yeah, we've got Derek Harper and Kawan Garris. 
uh, going to follow you after you uh, set the plate for them, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, those guys are better at doing that on the court than I was. So I'll try my best here. <laughs> okay, Illinois-Wisconsin today. Io is not going to play. He's uh, in the building or will be in the building as a cheerleader, more or less. But uh, your thoughts on this game and uh, the way the schedule is shaping up? Yeah, it's a brutal schedule. And, uh, you know, yesterday, I mean, it's obvious Brad Underwood has not been very happy here recently uh, about the circumstances of, you know, Illinois doing everything right. They haven't had positive tests. They haven't had shutdowns. Uh, and it feels like they still get punished for it at the end. So I can kind of understand that. And it's clear that he does not uh, agree with Michigan postponing their game. Um, so now there's this brutal stretch that they have. Uh, one of their players, their best player is out. Um, obviously there are negatives of what's going on right now, which is, you know, Illinois obviously has all these games in so many days and their best players out for a crucial stretch where, you know, if they had IO and they pull off three straight wins here, I think they're a number one seed. Right. Um, so without IO, this could certainly disrupt the team. Um, and maybe for whenever he comes back, will he be rusty? How will the team react when he comes back? But there are some potential positives out of this, especially if you can get a win today. If you get a win today, I feel pretty confident Illinois is going to be a two seed in the NCAA tournament because this would be a, a huge win for them uh, at a top 25 team on the road, uh, gets them a 14th Big Ten win, another quad one win. Uh, I think it really solidified their spot there. But the other part, the, the team aspect of this is, uh, Curbelo and Miller, we saw them get a chance to step up and, and really gain some confidence. And I, I thought not only was that really good for the long term of what next year could look like with Illinois hoping to have another top 25 team next year, and I'm sure they'll have growing pains with that, um, but maybe it allows them to gain some confidence for when Iowa comes back that they are better players for being go-to alpha kind of players uh, during this couple game stretch. Also, Frazier, Williams, and Grandison were more assertive the other night, and, and maybe that makes this team stronger heading into March because I, I think many of them just assume Iowa will bail them out. Uh, but as we know, guys, uh, Wisconsin's a very different task. Even though they're not great this year, they're a good team, uh, and they're very uh, very much stronger than, than Nebraska. So uh, I think if you can – pull out a win tonight or today I think that'd be a huge boost of confidence for this team and uh, really give you a lot of confidence for the future but I think also for the short term um, but even if you're really really competitive I think you feel pretty good about that given that uh, maybe the the best player or one of the best players in Illinois history is out today. You know uh, Jeremy uh, I remember I'm sure you do that when um, Miller was a sophomore at Morgan Park and Io got hurt as a senior Miller just went off. You remember that how how he scored uh, when when uh, when Iowa was not on that team. Yeah, um, he got I think MVP of that tournament um, that year when Iowa was out with an ankle injury, and uh, you know that's the thing about Adam Miller is this was the role he was supposed to play this year, right? When he signed on the dotted line, a lot of people thought he was waiting for Iowa to make the decision of whether to sign or not. Mm -hmm. um, but that that was supposed to be his role. He was supposed to step into Iowa's role and, and maybe not do it as well as Iowa did as a sophomore, but he was supposed to be the go-to scorer. And I think, you know, this year we've kind of seen him just be a spot-up shooter. And I think he just settled into that role because you got Curbelo, you got uh, Iowa DeSumo kind of run the ball with, the, with their hands. Uh, and you just thought, okay, this, this is what he is. Maybe he's more Rich McBride, people would think. Um, but no, he, he's got the capability uh, to be – 
a go-to score and score at all levels. And I think this year with Isle for the long term for Adam Miller is really going to pay off because he gets to see how a guy does it. Uh, he gets to see a guy that had gone through struggles early in his career and just have that guy in his ear. Um, and, you know, maybe that's not what he signed up for right away, but I think Adam's maturity to me uh, this season has really stood out. And he's taking this uh, as a positive that, hey, maybe I'm not a superstar right away on this team, but next year is going to be my chance. And I think yesterday or the other day against Nebraska really boosted his confidence. And today is another day where I think he's got a chance to, to really show that he can be a go-to scorer, not just long-term, but in this stretch with, with Iowa out. And, uh, you know, they got two really good freshman guards. Um, and most years you're, you're without Iowa. I don't think you have much of a chance. But, you know, they had two top 50 guards in this class, and they're both really talented. You take some negatives with, with the positives. But um, Adam Miller is a really good player, and I think he's going to take a monster leap. And he's still in the conversation, guys, for – all Big Ten freshman team. I don't know if he'll get it right now. I think Corbello will, but uh, he's still in that conversation. He can make a case today. Uh, you mentioned, you know, about the pandemic and, and how it's affected the teams. And it, 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 uh, it was interesting to me that Underwood has actually stated that, you know, that the Big Ten championship uh, really doesn't mean anything. I mean, basically, am I going overboard there, or is that what he said? Well, he's basically saying, like, it, I think it, it still means something, right? Like if Illinois wins the Big sure. Ten, like they, it would certainly mean something. But one, it's pretty clear Michigan's going to win it because if they go by win percentage, Michigan has to or Illinois has to win out, and Michigan has to lose at least three of its last four, and I, that's just not going to happen based on how good Michigan is. Listen, I think Michigan wins the Big Ten title in a normal year anyway, but they're going to play 17 games. Illinois is playing 20 games, so I think Brad Underwood is saying, "Listen, that's not at this point our goal. Our goal." We know that we are remembered, whether fair or not. Uh, I think Big Ten championships matter a lot, um, more than sometimes a single elimination tournament. But that's what people remember, is how far do you go in the tournament? Do you get to a Sweet 16? Do you get to a Elite 8? Do you get to a Final Four? And he knows that's how this season will be remembered. So I think that's what he's saying is we know that's the most important thing, and we just want to be as healthy uh, and as ready as possible once that tournament starts. So I think for him, the Big Ten championship, it would matter if they win it, but he knows it's pretty clear they're not. The Big Ten tournament um, is an exciting time. If you win it, it can be great. But what matters is once they get into that field is 68. Talking to Jeremy Werner, 247sports.com, Illini Inquirer. Phone line is open if you want to jump in, 356-9397. You know, it's not always uh, or not often that you talk about a player's legacy while, while he's still playing. But uh, certainly we've started doing that with Io, and he's one of those guys, obviously, uh, you just say the first name, that's all you need. He's kind of, I kind of put him up there with D. Brown as far as popularity. The only, and what he did, he he took a chance on coming to Illinois at a time that it wasn't popular. And the only sad thing about it to me is this year, the fans haven't been around to to enjoy him in person and let him know what what, uh, Illinois basketball fans think of him. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I think he knows. I think fans show that. Um, I do think the one, and Joey Wagner pointed this out to me the other day, is uh, the one positive is they kind of had their send-off. Like, right, we, we thought last year that Iowa game, like he was waving to the crowd. Like, yeah. Everyone kind of thought that was his last game. So at least you have that moment. But, yes, I mean, I can't imagine what it would have been like for, for Io DeSumo 
if there were 15,000 fans there the other night and, and Tim Sinclair announces, you know, making his final appearance at State Farm Center, you know, he's saying it to 100 people rather than 15,000. Uh, and his, his teammates went crazy. It was great that there were uh, messages from, from family and all that, but it, it just wasn't the same. So it was really an odd feeling. It was kind of an empty feeling, but um, this is kind of a bonus here. No one expected Io to come back this year and for him to be doing what he's doing. And I asked Warren the other day, I asked Kent Brown the other day, is this the best individual season ever? And they both said, yeah, I mean, to this point, they think so. I think, I think the narrative around it, I think the clutch moments, but the narrative of him bringing this program back is why he's up there with D Brown. I know Kenny battle for a lot of people is, is kind of the face of that 88, 89 team, even though Nick Anderson might've had the better individual year, you know, Kendall Gill, I think his 90 year um, is one of the best individual statistical seasons we've seen in the modern era, but that team lost in the first round. So maybe there's still more to be determined of whether this is, but there's no question. He is in that conversation with D Brown, you know, Darren, you can put in that realm, though D got more of the awards. Um, that team was a special team. 89 was a special team, but we were talking about individuals. I think I would assume is going to be known. Uh, if we did a bracket of uh, Illinois basketball again, last year I had Iowa as a number four seed this year, of all time, Illinois, I think we'd stack him up, no question, as a, as a number one seed. And it's unbelievable what he's done this year. How do you vote for Big Ten Player of the Year now that Iowa's going to miss two, maybe three games? I think it's a close vote, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think whenever you mention, um, you know, Luca Garza, it feels like the fan base, and I love this rivalry, like they try to belittle the other one. I think we can all agree that Luca Garza is a fantastic player that was deserving of all Big Ten and Big Ten Player of the Year uh, again this year. But but Iowa deserves to be in that conversation. I, I do think missing time, whether it's fair or not, um, you know, Mike Trout every year that he misses maybe 20 games, like he should still probably be the MVP, but it, it seems to impact what the voting is. I think Garza is going to win it. Um, to be honest with you, I'd love if they got co-players. I, I think both of those guys are so deserving. I think they're exactly the epitome of, of what you want representing the Big Ten and, and both Illinois and Iowa basketball. But, you know, the, the difference is, is if Iowa falters here down the stretch, if they lose a couple games and Illinois wins a couple games and Iowa comes back and leads them to a win against Ohio State or, or Michigan, should, should he come back for either of those games, which obviously were unclear, um, I, I think he's got more of a case. But I think the problem is Iowa's having so many of these special moments that put him into that conversation. I think with him sitting on the sideline, it kind of, you know, um, limits – you know, how he ends this. He, he can't end it possibly with, a, with an exclamation point. So I think Garz is going to win it. I think both are deserving. Uh, I think uh, Richie indicated, Scott Richie indicated, that his vote is in uh, before the Big Ten tournament. So uh, what we're going to have here is, is Io missing today, probably miss the next game too. And, um, you know, that's, it's going to be hard to vote for him, I suppose, by a lot of people who are not – in the Illinois side of things, don't you think? Are, yeah. do, you, do you have a vote on that? I, I don't think I do, Lauren. Um, I haven't been alerted about it. But, you know, I, I think, Gar, like, the thing is, Garza is deserving of it, right? And I, I know I'm on an Illinois radio show, and that might not be popular to some people, but he is deserving of it. But but certainly Io is as well. But, yeah, I, I agree with you, Lauren. I think it's going to be tough. 
uh, with the way the season ends. And to be honest with you, you know, Luca Garza came into the year as the favorite. He's done nothing to not be the favorite outside of his team not being quite as good as Illinois, but they're still quite, quite good. So um, I just think he's going to get it. But I do think Ayo Desumu is no doubt a consensus first-team All-American. If it weren't for Garza, he'd be the consensus Big Ten player of the year. Heck, if it weren't for Garza and, you know, maybe um, Io, Kofi might be the, the Big Ten player of the year, though. I think Hunter Dickinson and EJ Liddell have made their cases, too. And um, it's, it's a heck of a year in the Big Ten. And uh, Io, I think any other year is the no-doubt player of the year. Would you vote Dickinson in the top five among the top five players in the conference? Now, he's going to be freshman of the year for sure. Yeah. Would you, you think he'll be I, on that uh, first five? I didn't have that. I didn't even think about it, Warren, until the Ohio State and Iowa games. I had him firmly in the second team. I had Livers firmly in the second team. I had Wagner, you know, prob- probably on my second team. And it was kind of like Wisconsin last year. I had none of those guys in the first or second team, but I had like three of them on the third team. Uh, but Dickinson is definitely playing. His, it's just who do you leave off? I mean, mm-hmm. clear Garza, for me, Garza, Coburn and Desumu, our first team guys. And then for me, like Trayvon Williams is having a fantastic year, but yep, uh, Trey Jackson is. Davis, what, what do you do with him? Uh, Hunter Dickinson, I'm such a fan of EJ Liddell um, that I think he's got to be in that conversation. So finding two of those four guys uh, is very, very difficult. And I, I don't really know at this point, but I think Dickinson. You know, he's playing himself into first-team All-American. So, uh, how can he not be first-team All-Big Ten? Um, I think I think right now, if I had to put in a vote, I think Dickinson would sneak in for me. Good stuff, Jeremy. Always good to catch up with you. We'll do it again. We'll talk some football here uh, somewhere along the way, too, and how Brett Bielma has been doing on uh, now two months on the job. The uh, reviews are in. No games have been played yet. But uh, uh, what, we'll just sneak in one football question. What are you hearing from yeah. some of your guys uh, about uh, his reaching out to, to coaches and players within the state of Illinois. Yeah, I've talked with uh, more than a half dozen high school coaches, small schools, big schools, powerhouses in the in the uh, in the state, and I think he's doing and saying the right things. They're all very encouraged just to hear from from Illinois, and I think what we have to say is it's a great start, um, but there's a lot of work to do, right? And Illinois, I think, now is going to be in contention for in-state prospects, for way more in-state prospects, I should say, and better in-state prospects. But still, there's they have to develop relationships. They have to sell their school. I think it hurts them that they can't be on the road right now. I think it hurts them that they can't bring these prospects on campus right now. But I do think you're going to see Illinois – start to land more top 20 prospects in the state. I don't think they're going to land, you know, most of the guys who have offers from the powerhouses though. Um, but can they get that next year? Can they win more battles with Iowa, Northwestern, Minnesota, those programs who have kind of come in and stolen a lot of those tier guys that expect Illinois to get, I think you're going to see more uh, wins there. But then of course, at some point you got to win on the field. Um, and I think that's why it's key to get so many returners just to, just to be competitive maybe have a chance uh, to compete for a bowl. I think, you know, that's what I've been saying. I'm not going to predict Illinois to make a bowl in, in their first year, I don't think, but I think at least they're going to be competitive. Um, so they got a lot to prove, but I think it's a great start. Um, reaching out to 500-plus high school coaches is kind of their goal, and that's an unbelievable effort, and I think that's going to open the door for them. But once you get in the door, that just puts you in the mix, right? Um, but Illinois hasn't been in the mix for a lot of those guys. So I, I think so far the first two months of Brett Bioma, I think he's 
Um, I think he's done and said the right things. I think he's hired an impressive staff. I think the way he's structured his recruiting department is really encouraging. Uh, and now they have to get to work. Um, so I think he's done and said the right things. But as, as he says all the time, it's a honeymoon period. Uh, but you can use that to your advantage and, and build some buzz. So um, I think he's done a really good job. And I think he's won over a lot of people uh, in his first couple months. All right, Jeremy. We appreciate it. Thanks for uh, joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Anytime. Thanks, guys. You bet. Jeremy Warner from 24-7 Sports, Illini Inquirer. At 9.52 as we approach uh, the wrap-up point of the uh, first hour of the show, before we had Jeremy on, I mentioned the uh, passing of a friend of ours, Larry Clisby. We had a caller uh, off the air, wanted to, to know a little more about him, but it was Larry Clisby was the radio voice for a long time of Purdue basketball. And uh, one of the... Uh, I guess you'd call him a legendary voice. And he was, and, and he was a really close friend of, uh, of, of uh, the coaches there. And uh, I, think that, uh, I think that was a big part of him staying on there in the latter years because I know he got in trouble one year and, and there were some questions. Mm-hmm. And Katie came to his rescue and said, we want Clisby, and that's what he got. Yep. He was, uh, I don't know, probably 20, 25 years as the voice of uh, the Purdue Boilermakers on their radio network, Larry Spe- Speaking of uh, uh, announcers getting in trouble, our old friend Dan Rohn got in a little bit, had to uh, send out an apology over the use of a word uh, for Sosoto by using the word uh, thug. Yeah, he did. He, and and it, got on, it got on Twitter, and, of course, it upset a lot of people in yeah. Michigan. <laughs> with, with that in mind, did you? it's not really connected, but did you see where – Hasbro, the toy company, is changing the name of Mr. Potato Head. No. To just Potato Head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. These are dangerous times. My question it? to you is, you, you no, pon- I don't have the answer. <laughs> you, you ponder this one. What happens to Father Time? Well, you just call it time. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Squeeze in a phone call here. Alan in Montrose is with us. Go ahead, Alan. What's on your mind today? Yeah, Steve, I heard uh, about Mr. Potato Head this week. I sent out some texts and friends of mine, and I said, be careful what you say about Mr. Potato Head, stuff like that. Uh, and that kind of goes back to what I was going to say. Lauren, you mentioned uh, about a half hour ago about uh, NBA ratings being down and stuff. Yeah. I can tell you why it's down a lot. Okay. Activism has gotten involved in the sports, and there's a lot of people really upset about that, and they don't think sports should be involved with activism. So now a lot of people are not watching NBA. I'm one of them. I will never go to another NBA game. I won't watch NBA anymore. And my concern is college is leaning towards that way, and I don't think – in my lifetime, we'll ever see Memorial Stadium sold out again, even if we have a good team, because there is a lot of people not liking activism mixed with sports. You can argue all you want about that. Well, how do you feel about I'm, the NFL? I know it's true. Well, their ratings were down, too. Not as much, but they were down quite a bit, too. The Super Bowl was down quite a bit. Did you watch it? Yes, I did watch that. Okay. I still watch football. All right. Just I still checking. watch football, but they're close. Okay. They are really close. Okay, Alan, we appreciate it. Thanks for taking time uh, to uh, make the call. We need to take a break here as we 
Hit the top of the hour. We'll be back with hour number two of Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're with you until 11 o'clock and right in front of Illinois basketball coverage. Fighting on that game day today after this show at 11. Illinois on the road at Madison, Wisconsin to take on the Badgers at 1 o'clock this afternoon in a top 25 matchup. Illinois at number 5 in the country and Wisconsin at number 21. Tip of that ball game coming up at uh, 1.05 in that uh, neighborhood this afternoon from the Kohl Center in Madison. Going to talk uh, some more Illinois basketball past and present now with uh, Derek Harper, former Illini point guard, Illinois Hall of Famer, is on the line with us. Good morning, Derek. How are you doing this morning? I am very well. How are you, sir? How are you guys? We're doing well. We're looking forward, as always, to to talk to you and uh, get up to date on what you're doing these days. But I want to ask you about uh, how much you're able to follow this Illini basketball team. Well, when you're good, everybody follows. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, it's a very good team. And, of course, I'm keeping an eye on them. Um, They have played very well as a team this year. I think the biggest thing that I take away from watching Illinois is that they're selfless as a team. I think they play for each other, and that's what's giving them a chance to be successful. Um, There's not a lot of sticking of the ball. And I think in college, more than at the next level, that's a very difficult thing to teach. So I think Coach has done a good job of helping these guys to realize that together they can really make a lot of noise, I think, come tournament time. I can't think of a better guy to ask about uh, another point guard. And I want to ask you about uh, Io Dusumu and what you like about his game and what, uh, what you think of him as you followed his career. Uh, he's been extremely good. Um, you know, the guy, when you start talking about triple doubles at the college level, probably the most difficult thing to do. Number one, there's not enough time to actually rack up those kind of numbers, if you would. But just watching him from afar, not a lot of holes in his game. I mean, his decision-making is good. The guy um, can really score the basketball. I think he's averaging 21 points a game this year. Um, Next-level material is what I'll say. And the reason I feel like that is because I think to get to this level – your versatility is the thing that will carry you and, and make you a uh, that kind of a prospect. So I, I think the sky's the limit for him. And um, I'm anxious to uh, to see. I think he got hurt or something, a broke mm-hmm. nose or something. Yeah. And um, I'm just anxious to see this team when it's all said and done. They got a big game against Wisconsin you just mentioned. Tough place to play up at, uh, in, in Madison. But if they can pull this one out, man, it, uh, it does nothing but build conf- builds confidence for this basketball team. In fact, I'm looking at Illinois against Wisconsin right now. They were showing highlights, you know, Wisconsin and uh, Illinois from the last game. So I'm anxious to see how, how far he can go and how good he can be. Derek, this is Lauren. I, I, I see where, you, you know, I'm just looking up your record with the Mavericks, and I think you're one of the few players, maybe the only one in the history of basketball, that improved your scoring every year for eight consecutive years. Were you aware that was happening when that, when that was taking place? 
Of course not. I, um, I, I, <laughs> I learned, but I mean, after retiring, um, I work with Mark Followell, and he constantly talks about stats and those kind of numbers that you're talking about. Yeah. But I, I wasn't aware. I will say this, though. During the offseason, I always wanted to improve. And I think, you know, if you can find one or two things during the offseason to get better at, then it's going to lend itself to uh, to improving, whether it's scoring, rebounding, whatever the case might be. And um, I was able to do it. I think there were a few other guys to do it as well. But um, I was not aware, but very proud of the fact that I was able to do so. Uh, at Illinois, I think you improved your shot dramatically from your freshman year to your junior year. And by the way, uh, you turned pro after your junior year, which is what Iowa is going to do now. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts on Iowa, why is he not regarded more highly by the scouts who are have got him low, I'd say low in the first round? You know, I, I would say this. I, I think youth, you're talking about him coming out early. Mm-hmm. I think that has a little bit to do with it. Um, and, you know, let, let's face it, man, we're, we're playing basketball and sports in general, Lauren, if you would, under unprecedented circumstances right now. And a lot of times people just aren't aware of, of, of the, 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 the best players in the country at this particular time. And, I mean, if you're covering it, you should know that. But I just don't think that people are paying a, as much attention as they ordinarily would had there been fans and a lot of a lot more hoopla about Io as a player, but you know it's not where you where you, where you uh, get drafted. It's how you how, how long you stick around. And I yeah. certainly think he has the tools. He has the tools to uh, to be a pro for a long time. I really like his game and his demeanor as a player. Um, everybody can always improve as a player. And I, I think when I start thinking about young guys coming to this level, Tate, I think. The most important thing, like you just talked about, will be shooting the basketball because you're scouted so heavily until people will take away your strips. And he has an uncanny ability to get to the rim and finish around the basket through traffic, things of that nature. So people are not going to get up on a guy like that when he, when he gets to the next level. Mm-hmm. They're going to back off and force him to be a consistent outside shooter. And I would tell any young player, especially playing that position, to make sure that you can knock down perimeter shots. Uh, what's the worst injury you ever suffered, uh, Derek? One, I have never had a major injury, and I'm thanking God. I'm knocking on wood at my kitchen table right now. Um, I had a hamstring and a groin, and I think if you've ever picked up a basketball, you've suffered those particular injuries. But very fortunate, man, throughout my career. I mean, I, I missed very few games throughout my career because of injury. And um, just the luck of the draw, I'm not going to credit anything to it. I was just very lucky and fortunate. Visiting with former Illini basketball player Derek Harper, Illinois Hall of Famer. His number 12 hangs in the rafters at the State Farm Center. We do have the phone lines open and Jim is calling in from uh, Peoria with a question for Derek. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, Derek. I just want to say uh, one of my favorite players in the orange and blue back in the day. And I guess I want to thank you for playing because we didn't get to give you a senior send off. Mm-hmm. You kind of shocked all of us, I guess. That was, uh, you know, I don't blame you for going pro after your junior year, but most of the fans were assuming, you know, we just assumed people are coming back. We didn't hear that right. happening match right. much in those days. So when I heard 
you know, I was like, well, Derek will be back for his senior year. Hell, he'll be all American, you know. When I heard you weren't coming back, we were in shock. <laughs> so I just, you know, we really missed, we really missed your senior year, but we understand, you know, you had to do what you did. But back in those days, that was just something kind of unusual, I thought. Big deal. It was a bigger deal back then. And I'll say this, yep. and I, uh, I think everybody that plays the game of basketball, football, sports in general, your ultimate goal is to uh, is to be an NBA basketball player or an NFL football player, whatever the case might be. And that was my goal. And I think Lauren will agree with me that I had a pretty good darn junior year. And I, I just thought the timing for me at that particular time was the was the right thing to do. I, you know, coming out of Florida, I left Florida with my eye on the uh, on the prize, which was to be an NBA uh, basketball player and was fortunate enough to be drafted pretty high. And things worked out for me. But I'm sorry to disappoint you and didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, a, that's okay. It worked out for you, and that's what counts. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, though. Yeah, Jim, thanks for the call. Visiting with Derek Harper for another uh, few minutes. Was that – was it a difficult decision? Was it one that, that you thought a lot about, uh, Derek, or how did how did you come up, come to that conclusion? Of course, it was tough. And, you know, what you do is you get feedback from different people. And I'm not going to lie. I, I I made my mind up a long, long before anybody realized it. Because, again, I, I based it on where I thought I would be drafted. There was a lot of speculation that I was making a mistake. I shouldn't have gone. I should have came back for my, my senior year. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't regret it. I really don't because, again, I made my mind up through my family. I mean, of course, of course, I got advice from Coach Henson and from uh, Coach Yates and Coach Nagy and the people that were, were, were on the staff at that particular time. But I just, in my hearts of hearts, always wanted to be a pro, man. And just uh, after that junior year, just felt like it was time for me to uh, to take my – my uh, skills to the next level and, and, and play in the league. So it was difficult yet easy at the same time because I, I felt like mentally and physically I was ready I was ready for the challenge. Well, Coach Henson and Coach Yates and uh, the other coaching uh, staff guys had an idea because they strategically redshirted Quinn Richardson that year, and then he came back to play point guard along with uh, Bruce Douglas on, on the year after you left. Yes, those guys, those are some of my favorite guys. You start talking about Quinn Richardson and – and Bruce, those are, uh, I mean, I owe Bruce everything because he's the guy that, that moved me from the, the point guard to the two. And that's what that's when I was able to score a little bit more and really, um, you know, really show my overall game, I think. You know, playing the point, you have one mindset. And when you have a guy like Bruce that could orchestrate and involve you the way he was able to during my time with him, you know, it just makes things a little bit easier for you. You know, Bruce Douglas got to be one of the most overlooked players. I mean, he steals, oh, uh, assists, yeah. scoring. Yeah. I mean, he and Ephraim uh, worked so well together. I mean, it was just a, an amazing four yeah. years that he had there. He was almost as oh, good I, when he was a freshman as he was as a senior. I tell you what, man, that's a great point that you make. And it's interesting you bring that up. Bruce was a student of the game, obviously a champion player in high school coming out of Quincy, Illinois, and all of those things. But the guy just didn't make mistakes. You know, when, when, when Bruce was out on the floor, you knew he was going to make the right play. And, you know, when, when, when you have that kind of, of skill set, I thought he was going to be a pro for a long time. I'm not kidding. It goes back to not that he couldn't shoot the basketball, but I think that was the knock on him coming out of 
excuse me, coming out of college. And it, it really surprised me, man, that, that Bruce didn't last in the league for a long period of time because he certainly had the game to do so. And sometimes, man, you just don't get the break, you know, the breaks that you need. I think one of the things that's important as much as it is to, uh, to be drafted is where you're drafted. And that particular team being a team that your style of play will fit that style. And I think Bruce went, was in Golden State or wherever it was at the time. And I, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Nelly was the coach at the time. And, and Nelly's one of those guys that puts a lot of emphasis on being able to score the ball. Not that Bruce couldn't score. He just didn't look to do it. He was more comfortable as a, uh, as a pure type point guard and did a fabulous job at that. You played for a lot of uh, outstanding coaches. And uh, certainly uh, we all miss Lou Henson, who passed away uh, uh, 10 months ago or so and uh, your thoughts of, of playing for Coach Henson and, and maybe mention some of the guy, other guys you played for at the NBA level that uh, you think highly of. Man, I'll tell you what, I, I, I absolutely love Coach Henson and I don't want to choke up, but <laughs> Lou, um, he kind of, he changed my game and my thought about basketball because I had a little hot dog in me. When I uh, when I came from Florida, came to uh, Illinois, and Coach Henson always helped me to realize that making the basic simple play, there's nothing wrong with that either. And I used to try to pass every t- a lot behind my back and all of that kind of stuff. And he kind of uh, he, he he got me under control as far as that's concerned. And I, I tell people all the time, you know, Coach, he prepares you before the game as well as anybody I've ever played for. And that's at any level. I mean, you know, he, he, he really did his due diligence on knowing opponents and, and what was good and what was not good. And I owe, I owe a lot to him because, uh, like I said, he gave me some balance as a player and a person, he and Mary. I just uh, occurred to me, I, I just uh, was going to ask, how how uh, do you think Lou Henson would have handled Cabrello? He's <laughs> behind the back pass. I just, hey, uh, Lou would go, hey, go ahead, Derek. No, I'm sorry, Lou. The same way he handled me. He would call him out and not embarrass you, but he would call you out. I mean, I, I think now more than ever, there's a lost art or a disrespect when it comes to coaching, when I played, no matter how good you were, you respected the authority of the coach. And that's what Coach Henson would have done with him. He would have demanded that he respect him, his other players, um, just the overall respect factor that you're supposed to have for, for a coach, I think would have come to the forefront if, if Lou had any of these young players that, that are on the team now. You know, uh, Underwood made a comment yesterday when when this came up, and he said, "You know, I'm learning to accept a mistake now." And then. <laughs> what what was the exact what was the exact statement, Steve? Do you that, remember? You're close something there, like, something like that. Yeah, I'm learning. To, I'm learning. He doesn't like those turnovers, but boy, I tell you, uh, Curbella will make the worst turnover in the world one minute, and then the next minute he'll make a great play. So you know, he's just, when, when he can eliminate that uh, the bad stuff, he's really going to be good, Derek. There's no question about it, and that's youth, man. When you're young, you try things that you shouldn't try out on the court, and it's, 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 you, know, you, you hear the, the phrase growing pains, and I think that's part of the process that he's going through right now is just learning when to go, when to slow. I mean, yeah, I think we expect a, almost sometimes too much from these young players, man, and, and not realize that they're, 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 it's on-the-job training more or less 
when you're at the age and at the stage of their careers that they're in. Derek, what's keeping you busy these days? You know, I work for Fox Sports. Right. I'm a uh, color for Fox Sports Southwest here in Dallas. I, I cover the Mavericks and the whole NBA. Um, I have a podcast called Open Run uh, that you can tune into if you go to the Mavericks website. And other than that, I hit a lot of golf balls in the water. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, man, is what, what I'm doing with my life. Speaking, hey, speaking hey, of water, hey, did you have any uh, any uh, busted pipes or anything down there in that Dallas weather? No, I did not. I was Again, I got lucky. I was very fortunate. Uh, my daughters came here. Because they had all of the uh, all of the stuff that you're talking about, the lights went out on them and things like that. But I was fortunate here in Plano that things worked out really well for us. I was going. To, I mentioned that uh, Kelly played golf yesterday up here. Can you imagine? Yeah, I did. Here we are in February. What was the, what was the temperature out there? Forty five. It was it was oh, a balmy yeah. forty five. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's better I, I, better thirty five. If they were better. <laughs> or, 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 or higher is when, when I play. I don't. I don't go out there. I'm a Floridian. That's 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 my number. Yeah, I, I've lived all over the place. I don't like cold, man. I'm not gonna even lie to you. I wouldn't be out trying to trying to hit a uh, hit a, a driver in 45. <laughs> Let's take uh, one yeah. more call uh, for Derek Harper, then we'll let uh, Derek go. But Alan in Urbana is with us. Go ahead, Alan. Hey, Derek. I always uh, love to watch you play. Had two quick Thank questions. You. What sure. was it that caused you to come to Illinois from Florida? Because we get very few players from Florida, especially back then. And the second question is, what do you think of the NBA today? I haven't watched it for years. I watched 10 minutes uh, a couple weeks ago. I saw absolutely no defense whatsoever, and I can't imagine these guys playing back with no. Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And yeah. Justin, so. Hey, Derek, well, uh, Derek, give us a John Orr story. Yeah, yeah, I will. Um, Johnny Orr. Um, was that Michigan? Is that the story? Learned yeah, Michigan? sure. I was at Michigan at the time as far as what made me come to, um, to, to Illinois is, first of all, I was headed to Michigan. And let me start by saying I, I wanted to play in the Big Ten because Magic, Isaiah, those guys were in the Big Ten at the time making a whole lot of noise. And I wanted some of it. You know, I wanted to, I uh, wanted to, to challenge myself against what was considered the best player in the best conference in the country at that particular time in 1980. And uh, Michigan was heavy on me, man. They, they were – Anthony Carter, I know you guys remember him playing football. He was a dear friend out of Florida. Mm -hmm. And he was at Michigan. I took a visit to Michigan. And, of course, he, uh, he did his job on, the, on the, uh, the visit. And I was headed there. And I don't know if you guys remember. I know Lauren does. The – the year I came out, Johnny Orr decided, who was the coach at Michigan, he he decided that he was going to take the Iowa State, I think. Yeah, he went to Iowa State. He was going to take the Iowa State job. So I had to kind of scramble and, and, and re, <laughs> rethink what I was going to do with my uh, my college career. And Illinois was, was a front runner as well. Coach Jake saw me play a lot of high, uh, high school games. He and Coach Henson did. They were down in West Palm Beach frequently watching me play. So it was kind of between those two teams. And once Coach Orr took that job at Iowa State, it made it extremely easy for me to uh, just jump on the alumni train. And I think God, it all worked out, man. I don't regret anything about my three years in Champlain, in Champaign. 
Urbana, man. It was a lot of fun for me. Made a lot of great memories. Tony Yates told me that he made 20 plane flights to West Palm Beach. There you go. That's a lot. <laughs> that one year. right? <laughs> so that's a, that's a lot of visits, man. And uh, he did his job because uh, he he, uh, he sold me on Coach Henson, the staff, the, the university itself. And, again, I don't regret it. And I think the second question was what I thought about the NBA. I'm not one to uh, to bash the old and the new. I would agree with the caller that the defense is phantom defense right now. Not a lot of there are a lot of 120, 130 point games now. But I think the league is in in, in, in good hands with the young talent that's in the league. And I, I think one of the things that has changed where the, the the defense where defense is concerned is that the rules. You you know when I played, you can touch. The bigs could, could check guys when they were coming across the lanes. Um, you could be more physical as a, uh, as a player. And that obviously kind of deleted offense a little bit, if you would. But right now, the fact that you can't touch guys, you can't hand check and do all of those things that, that was allowed back then, I think that's why you see so much scoring. And the other reason is that you look at guys like Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden. I mean, just the super, superstars. Luka Doncic, uh, a guy that I cover all the time. There is no defense for yeah. the kind of offense that, that we see right now. I mean, these guys are absolutely spectacular when it comes to scoring the basketball. And kudos to them. It, it, it's, it's just that simple. Granted, you can play defense, but you're not going to stop guys that have the kind of skill set that we're watching in the NBA right now. And um, I like it. I, I like where the league is, man. I, I, I Like I said, I, I can't hate on the fact that, you know, these guys are that – not that the caller is, is either. He's just – and he's making a good point that the score is outrageous and guys are averaging 30 points a game. A lot of guys are. But it's just talent, man. It's all, all around talent in the NBA, and the NBA is in a, in a tremendous uh, place right now. That's Illinois Hall of Famer Derek Harper. We appreciate uh, catching up with you, Derek. Thanks for taking uh, 20 minutes to visit with us. Always good to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well. And all due respect to you, I'm, I'm doing this for Lauren Tate. I will <laughs> do anything Lauren Tate asked me to do, okay? <laughs> hey, thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. You guys be good. Yep. 10.22 is the time. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Stay with us. Moving up on 1025 here on DWS, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Chugging along. We've got 45 degrees. Speaking of 45, we've got 45 degrees right now. Okay. And uh, sunshine in central Illinois. A little bit foggy earlier this morning, but that's Burn gone away. Off. So if you think about teeing it up, I will tell you this. The friends at Savoy National. Tell international. Me that, oh, it's international now. Yeah. I, I like... You know, it's Augusta National. I like Savoy National oh, just okay. to, to kind of go along with that. <laughs> but uh, the tee sheet, I'm told, is full. <laughs> that Like 300 golfers signed up to, to play golf today. Come in, on. In anticipation of uh, today's weather. Goodness gracious. So if you're going to just go walk on, you might get on, but it might be kind of tough, too. Well, they got two courses out there. They do. But uh, I'm <laughs> talking about uh, that's a lot of players for, <laughs> for any date, but especially uh, – in February, but uh, thanks to uh, Derek Harper for spending time with us. We've got Kwan Garris, another outstanding Illinois point guard, and like 
Derek Harper. I think Kwan Garris, his jersey number 22, should be at some point hanging it in the rafters. Be. I think it should be as well. He's the number two scorer in Illinois history. Number two all-time scorer behind, behind Deion Thomas. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Let's go to Justin calling from uh, Rantoul. Good morning, Justin. Good morning. So, first of all, I just want to thank you guys. You guys have been so great over the years and just, just really classy. And, and just thank you for all your Illini coverage. It's, it's been a, a joy listening to you for over the years. Got a, a question for you. I got. I know we've thrown out some good names today with, with Harper and, and Garrett, but I got four names. Okay. And if you had a last-second shot, I want you guys to rank these guys in order who you'd like to take the shot. I.O. <laughs> four names. I.O. <laughs> I.O., Eddie Johnson, Darren Williams, and Nick Anderson. I would go I.O., Nick, Eddie Darren. I, I won't disagree with that. I might go I.O. Eddie. I, I think I'd go Eddie and then Nick and then Darren. I'd take any of them. How's that? I mean, Eddie, Eddie became a tremendous NBA shooter yes, he did. over time. And basically, you know, uh, some of us, you know, are successful because of our good looks. But some of us are successful just because we can shoot and can't do much else, you know. And he could shoot. What about the rest of us? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Well, what about you, I, uh, Justin? I, what do you think? Eddie Johnson was a really good and, – and by the way, Eddie Johnson's a better shooter than Io now. Well, yes. But Io has – Io turns – you know, he puts on that Superman thing when there's two minutes to go. Right. And you're saying the last shot, right? And nobody's yeah, ever I made – Yeah, they've all had – Yeah. Nobody's yeah, ever made the – I know, but Io's done it more than anybody – has Correct. ever done it at Illinois, the last minutes. Correct. I mean, you had Eddie's against Michigan State, right. Darren, obviously against Arizona, Nick against against uh, Indiana. Yeah, but I'm that's a, one I'm shot. A Nick fan, but, yeah, you're right. Over over the long haul, Io has just done it over and over. But you're right, you can't go wrong. But more than anything, I just wanted to thank you guys. Uh, like like I said, over the years, it's it's been an honor. It's been a joy listening to you guys. Well, I wish you hadn't way. said that because uh, Kelly gets a big head when people do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good day. Thank you. Thanks, Justin. Considering what i got to put up with every week. <laughs> Let's go to John and Champagne. Go ahead, John. Yeah, guys. Uh, I'd like to speak for a minute on uh, for a second on uh, uh, passing. I'm proud of Coach Underwood for accepting the fact that he has a tremendous passer, as tremendous as I've ever really seen for such a short time. Uh, I maybe I maybe I he's fearless, uh, and that can be both good and bad. But I've noticed it seems to me that the team has accepted it, and I see more people cutting towards the bucket when he has the ball in a tight situation and I don't they're not doing it because they're afraid he's going to lose it they recognize that he's got two or three guys hound dogging him and they have an opportunity and I I really good point I I, think I think it does affect the other players yes I think that they're more alert to the pass and and uh, you know I I saw one go right through uh, right through uh, Georgie's hands the other day that I thought he should have had and and, but you just got to be ready for a pass from the guy because he's going to find somebody we, I had a coach in high school, and I was a terrible high school basketball player. But we had a coach 
that if you wanted to get set on the bench, the best thing you could do to attain that was not have your hands within six inches of each other. Because if that, and we have, we had a good passer on the team. And uh, I also know a couple of years uh, uh, ahead of me in school, so I did not play with him. We had a, we had a kid and we had a different coach and that kid was such a tremendous passer, but the coach wouldn't play him because the other players couldn't adapt to how good a passer he was. And they'd, they'd let him get killed because he was, he was fearless too, but nobody would ever bail him out. And, uh, I, I guess our next coach, which was Tom Young, he figured that if somebody's wanting to throw the ball to you, the best thing you can do is be in a position to receive it. Yep. And, uh, I just I, I I was sick when I got hurt. That's uh, I said at the start of the year that I would not get upset about basketball or football because it was going to be such a strange year that too many things beyond our control were were going to happen. You know, i.e. Ohio State, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but going to the bowl game instead of Indiana and things like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, uh, I I I just see. I hated that Iowa, Iowa, got, Iowa got hurt. But the bright side of that, to me, if there was a bright side, and I shouldn't call it bright side, but it gave us an opportunity to get a peek at a team without Iowa, which is going to be uh, next year anyway. And I was just tickled to death uh, the way everyone seemed to participate. And there's some people on that team that, like Granderson, Oh, I w- I've been wanting that guy to play more and more and more and more. Yeah, uh, he sure made some nice offensive rebounds, to... and they did. They bounced back really well. Now we got to see if they can do it again. That's the key. Yeah, I see him. Huh? See him cutting to the basket. See Miller cutting to the basket. When I when I was there, and and, and bless him, but uh, every everyone kind of deferred to him so much. Uh, and he was getting uh, triple doubles and all that, uh, and and believe me, I, he's the best player we got. I'm I, I know that, but the other guys kind of uh, bowed to him or didn't bow to him, but they kind of stayed out of the way because he was so good, you know. Yep. Hey, John, appreciate the call. Thanks for taking time to do that. Ten thirty-two. They need to take a quick break. We'll do that, and we'll talk to another pretty good. Uh, Illinois point guard and passing guard and scoring guard, Kawan Garris. After this, stay with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're moving up on 1035. This is Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate. And the show is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're with you until 11 o'clock. Fighting Illini game day comes your way at 11 to our pregame show before Illinois and the Wisconsin Badgers in Madison this afternoon. You can hear it all right here on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Earlier in this hour, we had the former Illini point guard Derek Harper on the phone. we got another outstanding Illinois guard in uh, years gone by with us now. Kawan Garris joins us. Kawan, good morning. How's it going with you? All right. Good morning. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Good. You keeping busy these days? We want to talk to you about... Uh, What's going on with you? I want to talk of some current Illinois basketball uh, with you as well, but uh, tell us what uh, number 22, Kawan Garris, is doing these days. 
Oh, uh, well, I'm living in uh, Atlanta, Georgia right now, and uh, right now I'm coaching uh, seventh grade and eighth grade uh, travel basketball. And that would indicate that maybe you have uh, somebody on one of those teams. Is that right? Uh, yes, I got a uh, T1 Junior on my eighth grade team, and uh, a couple of other kids. So, how much uh, video have you shown them of your days in Champaign Urbana? Oh man, I think I I think I showed them a, enough to to say that's that's uh, what they really want to want to do. Um, they seen I know my son seen a lot of a lot of me. Uh, and just, you know, just showing them what it takes to, you know, play college basketball. What are some of your best memories of your time here and playing for Coach Henson? Oh, man. I mean, every moment is, is, is your best moment. You know, sometimes you never never know where you're going to end up or lead to. And uh, just getting the opportunity to play for a legendary coach and, and Lou Henson, and the coaching staff, Jimmy Collins, Maggie, and uh, Coach Coons, man, I mean, that was a, a, a great experience. Well, Kawan, this is Lauren. I want to ask you about uh, you followed this Illinois team. This team has bounced back from a couple of mediocre seasons, and, and I just wonder uh, your view of this team and, and how you think they'll do with today without uh, I.O. going up to Wisconsin. Uh, I think the the makeup of that team is is uh is is awesome. You know, you got inside presence, you got outside uh, with the guards. Um, you know, they're, they're losing losing points with uh, Io out of the out of the lineup. But I mean, them them guys have been uh, them guys off the bench has been stepping up uh, to the plate and 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 doing their role. So uh, it's a team effort. So. They play as a team. I love the way they play defense and, and uh, push the ball up the floor. So, um, I mean, they, they got great, great dynamic right now. Uh, mentioning Io's injury, the the broken nose. Have, did you ever have any uh, serious injury at Illinois? No, I didn't have serious injuries like that. But I did have a groin pull one time, and then. Um, Shoulder, shoulder injury, but it, it didn't uh, hold me out too much. Well, tell us about your uh, your pro career, uh, Kawan. Where where did you spend most of your time? Uh, most of my time I spent overseas. Uh, I played a year in Germany, and then uh, uh, I ended up being in Italy for a number amount of years, and I just finished my career up in Italy. And when did you wind that up? When when was your final year? Oh man, <laughs> I think that was about a good man ten years ago. Okay, and so, yeah, that's a uh, that's because that's because my uh, my son was starting to play, and uh, I didn't want to miss none of them moments. Yeah, but now you tell me that he that he's a really good shooter, a better shooter than you. I don't. I don't know if I believe that. I think you might have set some records on free throws here, didn't you? Uh yeah, I set a couple of I've set a couple of records. Tell me about yeah, him. He can shoot. He can shoot way better than me. He can <laughs> shoot way better than me right now. Is he going to be body, he, like? I was a I was a skinny guy. He's 
he's got little physique and all that. He got muscles and stuff. So I'm like, shoot, I I don't know where he came from. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm wondering is that my kid? Are they gonna Are they gonna be taller than you, Kawan? Oh yeah, my I think all my boys are gonna be taller than me. Right now they got my oldest son. I have an older son that's uh, 20 that go to DePaul University. Uh, he he's my height now. He probably get a little bit taller than me. And then uh, my my younger two, uh, they supposed to be like six five, six six. Oh my goodness, that's that's a that's a big difference. If they can play, yeah. If, yeah so I told them. I was gonna say I if, they, them if they if if they can play anything like me and better, they good. <laughs> Well, and you you, got, you probably told them all about uh, the University of Illinois and the history of the program here, right? Oh, definitely. They know they know all about Illinois and everything. So, uh, hopefully, they they become a, a, a alum of the school and and they can keep the tradition going. Do you stay in contact with some of the guys uh, that you played with, uh, Dion Thomas, Tom Michael, guys like that? Oh yeah, I keep I keep in touch with all them guys. It's, it's fun. It's fun to be able to, you know, reconnect with your teammates and all that, and just the the little bonds that we share together. Uh, always, always great time. Well, any any thoughts about uh, basketball in the pandemic this year, and how much more difficult it must be for for the players to go be to be going through this. Oh yeah, I I I'm, I commend all everything that you know everybody's trying to do with with sports. You know, I know it's got to be difficult to be tested almost every week and every time that before games, and then you got to stop playing. You get into a role of winning, or your team start to build the chemistry, and next thing you know. Uh, you gotta you gotta stop for five or six days and then try to come back and and do what you was doing before. I, I think that's kind of hard for players, but and the coaches and and you know everybody else. But uh, just to just to see them trying to you know do these things, it's, I mean it's got to be tough on them. Hey, Kwan, we appreciate your time. Good to catch up with you. Uh, congratulations on uh, your uh, professional career and now your your coaching of your young guys, and uh, hopefully we'll see you back in Champaign-Urbana one of these days when when we can go back to going to games. Yeah, I know, man. I miss I miss coming down there. So I hope, hope uh, you know everything uh, starts to get back to somewhat of of normal, and sure. then everybody can get to go to games. Very good. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, thank you, uh, thank you guys very much for having me on. You bet. That's Kawan Garris, the number two leading scorer in Illinois basketball history. He scored 1,948 points. He had a career average, Lauren, of 16.8. He was an 83% career foul shooter. He shot more foul shots in basketball history than anybody. Anybody, right? At Illinois, and he made shot, more. <laughs> he shot 615 career. Free throws. Don't talk about the couple he missed. I'm not. I didn't bring him up. At one uh, point, he made 39 consecutive 30. foul shots. That yep. is still the record. He had 502 assists. That's number five on the list behind some pretty good names. Douglas, McCamey, D and Darren. So, Kawan Garris, a great career at uh, the U of I. Let's uh, squeeze in a phone call here and go to uh, Mike 
Good morning, Mike. What's going on? Good morning. How you doing? Thanks Good. for taking my call. Go ahead. It was reported in the paper. It was reported in the paper the other day that Izzo trained his guys with helmets and pads. He did. He did that in previous years. Yeah, that's, uh, we have been told. Yeah. I mean, that's been reported for many years, but I don't know if that has is still the case. Do you, Steve? I, well, I don't know that they ever had helmets. I know they 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 yeah. used pads and those blocking dummies and, and those yeah. kind of things you hold. But yes. Well, one of your reporters the other day had that in the paper and everything else, and that's treating the guys to be goons. I would think the Big Ten and the NCAA would stop that because that's not basketball, that's football. Well, we don't really know if it ever happened. I mean, we just we just have heard talk of that, but I I I just don't know if that was an exaggeration that got carried down through time. But I, Steve, I would say I heard of that ten years ago. Oh, at least, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a long time ago, and I I, I think maybe uh, it's something. It's like an old wives' tale. I I, well. I just don't really know. But the point is that he he instructed those four centers to go in and and don't allow any body to score in there and if they come in make sure they don't score and if you foul it's okay and they fouled and it was okay <laughs> with them well you know the guy that took out uh io the other day he also did a good one on colby that's right and uh, you know both times the guy was smiling like he was the happiest guy in the world when he took out one of our star players i think that's you know something should be done to him for a long time well, they haven't uh, they haven't made a ruling on it. I don't know if that's still in in the works or whether they are done with it. But uh, in any case, uh, Sissoto is still playing for them, as far as we know. Yeah. He played one more well, game at least. I think that's horrible. So, thank you for taking my call. Yep, yeah. thanks, Mike. Three five six nine three nine seven is the phone number. Open line the rest of the way. Uh, before fighting on Illini game day. You talk about that being a, a wives' tale or whatever. It reminds me of, there's all kinds of wives' tales about one of my childhood heroes, uh, Woody Hayes. Yeah. Uh, as a kid growing up in, in Ohio, uh, uh, I, you, know, you know how he went out, and so I wasn't crazy about that. But I was a big Woody Hayes fan. Sure. As were you, I think. Yeah. It, it just got to know him a little bit. But one of the stories was he would uh, he'd have these rages in practice, he'd get mad. And yeah, throw his watch. Throw away. his watch down, and somebody pulled up. The, he took his jacket off. One day, he had a jacket on in practice. He had half a dozen watches that <laughs> 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 he probably bought at uh, a discount house, and he, he threw those down and jumped on them. Another was he was on a recruiting trip uh, just north of Toledo, but he was in the state of Michigan, and he ran out of gas, and he pushed his car into Ohio before... <laughs> <laughs> before he'd buy gas. I don't know if either one of those was true. I don't think so. But I do remember that he came to my high school, Troy, Ohio, Troy High School, to recruit a kid. And it was like uh, the Pope came to town. You know, he walked down the halls and everybody was looking out their windows, of the, uh, looking out the door of the classrooms, and Woody Hayes is here, you know. But uh, some of those stories kind of grow over time. I was doing TV in those days, and, and uh, he would always give me a, a, a TV. You know, he'd always do a stand-up with me. He used me. to do it, do it uh, over at Joomers over there. Remember that well, when, when they stayed there? Well, yeah. I, I woke him up one day. At, <laughs> at, at, at the Lincoln, it was the Lincoln, um, yeah. mm-hmm. whatever that's, motel, hotel, whatever yeah. it's called. 
And uh, one day I had a, a date with him to come over and see him, and then they said, well, he's in whatever number, and I knocked on it, and he was sleeping. <laughs> I got him up, and he did it. But uh, he, he, was, uh, he was real cooperative with the media, but, he, of course, he was nasty otherwise. Yep. 356-9397 is the phone number. you got about 10 minutes to get in if you'd like to do that. I don't know if you've been uh, thinking about uh, replacing any windows or doors at your home, but uh, if you are, I would suggest a trip to the uh, showroom of the uh, Pella Window Store, Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. They've got products there on display. You can see them in person. You can discover the beauty of wood windows, the ease of the between-the-glass blinds, or the durability of fiberglass entry doors. The Pella experts know all about what type of window and door works best in all kinds of different situations. Your home might have some kind of a unique situation. They can take care of that. Working with them is an easy process. They'll be there for you to help along the way from the uh, shopping point to the installation as well. So visit the showroom if you get a chance, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. They're open uh, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. If you want to call them ahead of time, 356-6474. Learn more about the styles, materials, and options available to you. The uh, Alani Pella team has the knowledge and experience to help you find the perfect Pella product for your project. Got some calls on hold here. Let's go to Marty down in Pinehurst. Good morning, Marty. Hey, Lauren. How you guys doing today? Good, good. Show, good. by the way. Thank you. Listen to Derek and Kwan's kind of fun. Yeah. Thinking of a six thinking of a six five Quan Garris is kind of exciting. <laughs> That's right. That better start recruiting him now. Hey, Steve, I missed it somehow. I didn't I, you've probably mentioned before I didn't know you were from Troy. Is that well I I, I in, probably have mentioned it sometime in the last forty years, but not, not I, often. Uh, I lived in Centerville for eight years, but our, our agency Troy was part of our territory. We had right. a district agent up there. It's a beautiful little town. It is. Troy and Centerville used to be, I don't know if they still are or not, but they used to be in the, the Western Ohio League yep. back in the yep. day. And, uh, yeah, Troy's a community of about 20,000, just about 15 yep. miles north of Dayton. And Centerville is a little bit yep. south of Dayton there. And it's a beautiful little area. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed my trips up there. Um, I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding why – for instance, Nebraska was out for a long time, and Nebraska hasn't begged out of any games, and they have played a brutal schedule. I mean, I don't, I don't know any team in the country that's ever done what they've done over the last month. So why is it that Michigan gets to beg off playing Illinois and Nebraska just goes ahead and plays everybody? Has anyone from the Big Ten office explained that one? No, not that I've heard. No. Nor, nor will they. No. Yeah, what's the option? Because it, what it did was put all the other teams, by pushing back, it puts other teams at disadvantage. Well, I mean, yeah. There's no way we can answer it because we don't know why. Yeah, they've not been real transparent uh, in the last why don't 12 we, months. Whenever you get a next year when you get to go back and have actual press conferences ahead of the season, why doesn't somebody bring that up and ask that question? Well, we'll, well you, you run the risk of Lauren and I forgetting by that time. <laughs> but but you also <laughs> – Run the risk that they're going to just simply say, right. you know. Uh, yeah, that's water uh, under the dam. Yeah. yeah. Or is yeah, it over well, the dam? Yeah, I I still think it needs to be asking someone. The, I mean, they're starting to act like government. I mean, God's sakes. Pretty soon, the, you know, they'll be making dictates like the governor of a state will. I guess they already do. 
Hey, Marty, hey, want to uh, squeeze a couple show. other calls in if we can here. Go get them. Great show, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Joey calling from Champaign. Good morning, Joey. Hi. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, a couple of things. I would like you to tell all of the uh, uh, Henson believers how to get that seminar that Mark Coombs and Mike were talking about uh, so that we can hear that with Mary and all. And the other thing is, I think you're being too easy on Michigan State, because if this were Iowa, I wonder what you'd be saying. No, no, we're, we're not being easy on anybody, but uh, we just say, that, you know, they have, they've not done anything. We have an expressed opinion on whether they should or not. We just, uh, it wouldn't be different if it was Iowa. We'd have to wait and see well, what happens. Well, I'll express this opinion. If they're going to give uh, Griffin a two-day suspension, two-game suspension, then they should do the same thing here. I agree with that. If, if, it's, a, if it's a flagrant two, which it was, uh, I don't see the difference. In fact, I would say this was much more, <laughs> uh, much more impactful than what, than what uh, Griffin did. I mean, he did step on the guy, and there's no question about it, and he shouldn't have. But uh, he didn't hurt him as bad as, right. as I. He didn't hurt him at all. I don't think. No. Anything else, Joey? No, that's all. I just think that you're going easy on Michigan State. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Doesn't matter how we go on anybody. We're not. <laughs> we're not making a call there. Let's go to Steve real quick. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind? Hey, you guys talking about a great day for golf and 300 lined up and everything. I'm a normal. And in an hour, we're going to kick off a football game. Yeah. Great day for a football game. Illinois State and South Dakota. And I don't know what Eastern's doing today, but uh, great day for a football game. Eastern's playing tomorrow, actually. They're scheduled to play tomorrow. Um, any fans get to go to that game up there today or not? There's a few, like parents maybe or something like that. Maybe 300. They'll squeeze in somewhere. Okay. Good stuff. But, uh, at least you get, at least it's not to. Yeah, at least it's not uh, the last couple of Saturdays. <laughs> that wouldn't have been fun. But I tell you, today's a better day than some we've had in October and November. That's yeah, right. it is. It's, so, it's football anyway, weather, isn't it? Yep. Good stuff, yes, Steve. Is, so. Good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for the call. Moving up on our last couple of minutes here on the show. Back to this uh, ball game today, Illinois and the Badgers without Io DeSumo. He is on the trip. He is not going to play. Don't know for sure when he will play. Uh, obviously, it couldn't be before Michigan if he doesn't play today, but it may not be till Ohio State. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, the uh, link for that uh, that uh, tribute is illinois.edu slash Henson. Illinois.edu slash Henson. Mike Raycraft was our first uh, guest on the show and mentioned that. So we appreciate uh, that update there on the website there from uh, Dave Leak, our producer. So uh, Illinois goes in, tries to take care of business, Lord, on the road, and uh, come out of there with a with a win that will certainly uh, sustain, I would think, uh, sustain their number five ranking in the country. Oh, well, if they win this game, that would be a big boost. Yep. I mean, there's no question. They need this win because the likelihood that they won't be able to win <laughs> next uh, Tuesday. Is that fair? I mean, how do you beat those guys? Particularly if Iowa isn't available. Yeah, I mean, Michigan's really good. They, they really are good. They're better than I thought. Uh, Me too. And because I looked at their early schedule, it was not that impressive. Yeah. And then I saw who they didn't play. Normally, they they didn't play. They were going to play Illinois once and some of the other uh, top teams. And uh, but 
I think they're right up there in the, in the conversation with I, Baylor and Gonzaga. I do, too. I was watching earlier this season, didn't have much respect for Michigan, uh, an early game, and they just brought a big old guy off the bench, Dickinson, and he came in a game and just won a game. I don't know who this was against, somebody. And uh, since that time, he had, they haven't been able to stop him. He's just been dominant ever since. Mr. Tate, thank you, sir. We'll listen right. for you on game day. We appreciate you listening. We'll take a final break, and then it'll be Fighting Illini game day. This is Steve Kelly for Lauren Tate. Thanks to our producers, Dave Leak and Blake Landa, as well on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. <laughs> 